We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. I'm DJ Trainer, joined as always on Wednesdays by Josh Hayes. You can find Josh on Twitter at JoshHayesFS, and you can find myself at TrainerDJ. You spell Trainer T R A I N. OR Trainer DJ. Thanks so much for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the Rotowire website if you haven't found it already, but I bet you have. Uh, feel free to leave a nice review on those venues if you would. We really appreciate it. We're underway. We've got a full week under our belt. We've got eight days actually under our belts. Last night, Josh, we'll just kick it off. A lot of good games last night. Um, what did you think overall about the NBA action? NBA's back in our lives, feeling good about it. Yeah, you forgot to mention, too, that uh, in the streets, the our show is available in the streets, too. People in the streets in like the to streets. listen to. People are talking right. about it. It's out in the right. streets. All the streets, mm-hmm. like every single street, it's out right. there. 
cross streets, you know, like school, busy streets, industrial highways, businesses, highways, right? Yeah. Exactly. People just pull out their phone. They open up the podcast. Boom. There we are. And they can listen to us in the streets. It's not uncommon to just hear our podcast playing in the park, like any park in America. Right, exactly. And you know what I said? I said, DJ, you know what? I don't have time for all this extra media attention. So you're going to have to do something about this. We're going to have to, you know, just limit people to as, you know, as much like feedback that they can potentially give us. Just listen to the show. Enjoy it. Take it for what it is. And if you have something really pertinent, bring it to us. Otherwise, please enjoy. Yeah, I yeah I should uh, I should have given a disclaimer. I mean, like we need to decide a new president coming up here pretty soon. Like people should be spending less time playing our podcast. No, that's not true. That's, that's not, not true. true at all. No, they have to enrich their lives with the podcast, and then they can go ho- go forward. And when when we need, we say, you know what, be democratic about who you choose in your lineup for in your daily lineups. There, then they can say, you know what. That's good advice that I can apply in my everyday life. So we're going to steer them in the right direction for life decisions too. You know, you want to know what kind of car insurance you should get. You want to know, um, you know, if DJ is actually a personal trainer in in addition to a recruiting trainer and uh, you know a um, intern manager. You want to know about all that stuff. We're bringing it to you right here on this podcast. So um, that's what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about the meaning of life, DJ. The meaning of life. Meaning of life means how can we understand how Charlotte blows out Chicago by 25 um, in in that matchup? That's one of the biggest questions that I think are burning for people's um, you know fantasy lives right now. Jimmy Butler comes up with a big performance, but everybody else sort of just uh, disappeared off the face of the earth, off their face. That's right. 130 to 105. There was no defense in this one. Charlotte takes out. <clears throat> excuse me. Charlotte takes out Chicago. Sniped them. Sniped them. Absolutely yeah. sniped them. You're looking at the Charlotte box score, and pretty much everyone had a positive plus or minus here. Let's talk about Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams is, is a guy that a lot of people probably picked up on the first round of waivers. He comes mm-hmm. in with just four points, ten rebounds, three assists. Now, for for me, that's not surprising at all. I, right. I didn't pick up Williams anywhere, but I know that he was one of the most targeted guys coming out of the first week. Yeah, you know what? And uh, you should have expected this if you've ever owned Marvin Williams at any point in your life. Personally, exactly. it's like it's he, he's like a girlfriend who just wants to be casual. You know what I mean? It's like comes and goes. Yeah. It's like one minute he's all loving on you. Yeah, go, yeah. Here's a three. Here's another three. Here, DJ, here you go. Double, double. And the next thing you know, it's two points and four boards. You know, so... Yeah, we're, you should be keeping it cash for sure with Marvin Williams again in your fantasy lineup. So he's not dependable at all for fantasy production. He is 14 team streamable and droppable in 12 teams if you can find a better option. Are you with me? Oh, I'm right there with you. He'll be added and dropped continually throughout the season, but there was a whole lot more added uh, during this first week here. Jeremy Lamb, a guy I really like. I'm a Thunder fan, of course. I had my eye on him. Man, when that guy went down to the D-League, he tore it up, comes up to the Thunder, and he just got no run at all. Eventually, he moves out to to Charlotte. We thought maybe he would start at shooting guard. He still sees 26 minutes um, yesterday, which yesterday would have been Tuesday, which was more than the starter, P.J. Harrison, who saw 20. Lamb puts up 20 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. Yes, sir, I'll take it all. Uh, what did you think? Two three-pointers as well. Is this a guy that's eventually going to move into the starting lineup, Josh, and maybe maybe be relevant in 12-team leagues, 14-team leagues? 
a good question. I don't know about Jeremy Leg of Lamb uh, for this overall. The, 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 what would have to happen, I guess, in optimal scenarios is that P.J. Harrison has to make his way out of the lineup. And then for some reason, they like him and his, you know, I guess, defensive prowess, glass cleaning. You know, P.J. Harrison and P.J. Tucker are like kind of like the same guy to me. Um, in the sort of roles that they play in their offense. So it, it's, I think it comes down to how much offensive punch they want. I could easily see that happening, though. I could see them going Jeremy Lamb um, at the two. Nicholas Batum has been playing the, basically the three all his life in Portland. And then, you know, Marvin Williams slash Cody Zeller slash Frank Kaminsky. Slash um, Spencer Hawes slash Tyler Hansborough. Right, slash... Um, Slash a guy to be determined. Slash Jason Smith or whoever, you know, anybody else who's um, uh, Kwame Brown. Let's not forget Kwame Brown of the former. Kwame Brown. You know what? You know what Michael Jordan is uh, elite at picking up power forwards in the drafts. That's that's what you can say. Um, But yeah, uh, so I. Well, here's the issue, though. If you take Lamb off the second unit, then who do you like? Who do you got? You're basically leaving it to Frank the Tank and Jeremy Lin to hold down the second unit. I don't know if that's enough like offensive firepower for you to feel comfortable. So I think that as long as they're thriving, they're continuing to win, and Jeremy Lamb continues to do damage on the second unit, and he got a contract extension, so obviously they love him, then I think that's sort of where we're at. We're in Jeremy Lamb, six-man uh, six world, and just makes him just like, uh, once again, another 14-team uh, you know, primary option, but n- probably not startable in like you know the deepest of 12-team leagues. It's where, sort of where you got to draw the line. Yeah, maybe like a, a Lou Williams type where he's a, he's a solid six guy, comes off, mm-hmm. gives you a lot of points. In this mm-hmm. game in particular, he helped a lot, a lot of other places, but not necessarily something I would rely on in terms of assists, rebounds, and steals. More so points for Lamb. He did go 9 for 10, and that's certainly not sustainable. And, sure. of, cor- and of course, he had a blowout too, so 26 minutes might be the high end for him. What do you mean? He can't, he can't shoot 90%? Is that what you're telling me? I, <laughs> I'm saying that uh, he won't. He absolutely won't put my stamp on it. He just did. I don't know just what you did. just Boom. just just did. Okay, let's switch it over to Chicago. Uh, of course, if you took the if you took the dive on Rose, you're probably still feeling it. Um, not surprising that he only came away with four points, five assists, two of eight shooting. That seems like it could be a typical stat line for Rose this season, or at least the early goings. Who I want to focus on first here, Josh, and feel free to give your your hot take on Derrick Rose later. Uh, Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott played 30 minutes. He shot six of 12, five of eight from beyond the arc. Four rebounds, three assists, a steal. Of course, that was for 17 points. No way this continues, right, Josh? Or am I wrong? Yeah, I was ready to bring the cold water, but since you already brought it there at the end, yeah, it was like obviously it's a blowout situation, and we know this is what he can do. He's a spot-up three-point shooter, and he definitely produced from that value. I mean, all his points were tied up in threes, five of eight from three-point land, so 15 out of the 17 there as well. I like him as a six-man, and I think he has value, but... I feel like a broken record here. We're talking like 14 teams and above. I mean, you take a look at the game logs if you just want to really know what the real deal is with uh, Mr. McBuckets there. There's like, you know, a lot of a lot of sauce, you know, within with the Nuggets, but not a lot of minutes. You know, like 16, 20, 14, 17. He's basically in the 15 to 18 minute per game range until something else happens with Tony Snell or they decide to make an, another change. And I think that because you already have Miritich in the lineup and Joakim Noah out of the lineup. And so you have sort of like a, you know, overall defensive loss in terms of presence and ability. I don't know if they really want to throw McDermott in that mix. Having said that, I actually think that they're, 
they you can maybe have potential to see him start somewhere down the line so he's like a watch list guy for me um because you take a look at what they have at the three-point um department it's nico and that's really it jimmy butler is like a i'm just gonna say mediocre three-point shooter derrick rose is not a good three-point shooter so you have these guys who can who they don't have a legit jit um, you know, spot up, drain the three guy outside of Meritage. And you don't have, they don't have anybody in the 40% range. And that's really not typical of most teams who want to shoot threes with volume. Usually you got somebody who's like a dead eye guy who will shoot 40% plus, And the only guy in that and, and on the roster is McDermott. So, and here's, here's another wrench in that mix, Josh, uh, Mike Dunleavy, 35 year old Mike Dunleavy, uh, didn't appear to be overly optimistic in regards to the eight to 10 week timetable, uh, that the team handed down about well, I guess it would have been quite some time ago. So right now we're we're, we're left with Dunleavy kind of looming over our heads, looming over guys like McDermott. Doesn't sound like he'll be back. I would even say maybe by January. Um, but what if he does come into the mix? Is is McDermott going to go to the bench, or is this maybe the last season of Dunleavy's career where he's more of a like a really really stuck on the bench guy, or is he going to come in and and maybe assume that starting role that he had for the last couple years in Chicago? I think he's just this back injury is way too serious for us to really expect anything um, of like value out of Mike Dean Dunleavy. And by this time, by the time the season that it happens, we're going to be well into January, like almost over half the season is over. They have their rotation set. They're into a flow with Tony Snell or they've made this, this decision to adjust their lineup elsewhere. Maybe it's McDermott. Maybe it's not. And, you know, maybe they go big with Noah on the floor as well, along with Nico playing the three. I mean, that's I don't know if that's recommended, but it's possible. So whatever that happens, I think you're just going to see it sort of sort of be like a David Lee situation from last year, if you remember from the Warriors, where he was just injured for so long, and they uh, like adequately adjusted their lineup forward with Azeli and Mar- Maurice Spates, and they just had a like a, a good eight man flow. That you're you're not gonna you Dunleavy wasn't a big enough factor for them to be like we've got to make room in our rotation once he's back, you know. And you know that he's off the bat, he's not gonna just like jump right back into twenty plus minutes per game. It's gonna be like you know five, eight, twelve minutes. By that time, either McDermott should have carved out a, a, a solid role for himself, or he's like the younger, better version of of Mike Dunleavy now. So I don't really think he's a, a legit threat. McDermott, if, as long as he continues to shoot well, can play his way into the lineup if the Bulls struggle offensively. And I think that you may you maybe agree with me. Maybe will agree with me here when we say that we're sort of surprised because we heard all this stuff about like Fred Hoiberg, super fast pace, sh- um, shove the ball up the floor, and then they've got you know, like scores in the eighties and stuff. With the exception of yesterday, which was different because it was a blowout. I mean, you're going from black to white, basically, in terms of what the Bulls did last year compared to this year. So maybe it'll take some time. I mean, I didn't really think everything was going to change immediately. And so uh, it's it's funny that we talk about the Bulls as somebody that could challenge the Cavaliers, or at least we did at one time. And now it's it's starting to look like this is just a team in transition, not only maybe with their personnel. When you got guys like Meritage coming in, you're going to give McDermott maybe some big minutes. But as a coach as well, maybe we were dead wrong and that this is just a team in transition and, and a couple of years out. I don't know. It's just tough when you got Rose still on the books. Um, you're trying to figure out what to do with Joaquim Noah. Paul Gasol is only going to be serviceable for another couple of years. It, it's really hard to say with this Bulls team. That said, they're going to make the playoffs. There's still going to be a team that makes the playoffs. So so I'm not sure. Maybe guys like McDurbin could could see less time on the court if they are if they are really pushing for a nice long playoff run. But as for now, it doesn't appear that it's going to be that long into the playoffs. Let's keep it moving, Josh. 
Next game, we'll move on to the once undefeated Pistons took on the once winless Pacers. But of course, that changed last night. The Pacers won 94 to 82. Let's look at the Pacers box score first. Jan Mahimi, Jan, five good minutes Mahimi, like I've been calling him all year. Of course, he played five minutes last night, didn't put up any points. But I want to focus on Monte Ellis, a guy that's kind of thrown up some stinker performances this year. Uh, he scored 15 last night, three assists, three steals, one three-pointer shot below 50%. What are you going to do with him? Do you have him anywhere, Josh? What's your situation on Monte Ellis this season? Uh, I don't have Monte Ellis anywhere, and I'm sort of glad. I was fine with him as a, as a play for where he was going, like, you know, somewhere in round six to eight, I guess. But in that, in those same sort of areas, there was all these other point guards that or guard plays that I would have preferred elsewhere that I pivoted to. I, I would I, um, I would have rather had Isaiah Thomas. I actually drafted Goran Dragic in that same spot, um, who isn't, you know, a ton better necessarily than, than Monte Ellis. But Monte Ellis does this every year. Like, you'll have a stretch where he's just bad, and, and the flow of it looks like, you know, just like, oh, geez, man, do I, I need to bench Monte Ellis or just, you know, see if I can move on from him, sort of trade him or something like that. Then he'll explode and throw up, a, like, a 30-point game and um, – have uh you know get back to i guess normalcy for him what i will say is this is a lot of his game has always been based on getting to the rack being explosive scoring inside and the older you get the less you're you're able to do that and so he's going to have to sort of figure out a way to be a more efficient score from the outside and that's really not his strength so i think we have to sort of down tick and discount hit what we expect from him going forward on the flip side of that um it's really just the Paul George show and then George Hill, who um, I love personally. I think he's a, gr- a super great and underrated player and another guy in that six to eight round range that I took over a guy like Monte Ellis. But um, just, there's still a lot, enough shots to go around for Monte Ellis to be productive. He's just going to have to figure out a way to get in the groove and score. So um, I'm the, if you need to bench him right now, if you're not, uh, you're, you're not happy with it, like, I don't think anybody should be pressing panic, panic, panic on almost anyone at this point, like on November 4th in the season. You, you with me on that? Yep, I'm right there with you. I should mention uh, Josh Ian Mahimi left with lower back soreness, so that's why he played five minutes, not because he he was owning up to my to my nickname that I gave him. That allowed rookie Miles Turner to play 15 minutes off the bench, and then, of course, Jordan Hill took on most of the workload there at center, playing 23 minutes. Not much going for either of those guys. Hill ended up with 10 points, six rebounds, an assist, and a steal. And Miles Turner, six points and four rebounds, a steal, and three blocks. So obviously he did he did come away um, with with a nice little box score considering he only played 15 minutes. So given that, Josh, are you clamoring for Miles Turner to take things over after just maybe one week? Or are we still going to run with Jan Mahimi and Jordan Hill seeing the majority of center minutes? Yes. Please, somebody, pull the plug. You know what I mean? On this bad experiment of, you know, Jordan Hill and uh, Jan Mahimi. If you want one of the two in there, fine. Don't put both of those guys in there over, over somebody who's clearly more talented and has the capability to rebound and block shots like Miles Turner. There's no reason to babysit this guy. Okay? You're not getting a ton of production. What do you what are you say protecting Miles Turner from that somehow Mile um, you know, uh, Jan Mahimi or 
uh, Mahi Mahi, whatever you want to call him, and Jordan Hill are doing? What are you getting? I don't, I don't really see the upside or, or the potential. I know you're like, you know, with rookies, there's always like this propensity to want to protect them and for them to not understand defensive concepts or get beat on pick and roll or whatever. These guys will get beat on pick and roll anyway. They're not, they're not great defenders. There's a reason why they've been, they've been tossed around in free agency for almost no one to pick up except the Indiana Pacers because they have a black hole at the center position after Roy Hibbert left, and that's why they drafted Miles Turner. So just let him fill it, and then let those guys be the role players that they are behind him coming off the bench for 15 to 18 minutes. Talking about DraftKings here, I'm targeting pretty much any center that goes up against the Pacers. Yes. And I know, and now this might not be fair um, because Andre Drummond is arguably one of the best centers in the league, but he just destroyed those three guys. Um, Unsurprisingly, put up 25 points, 29 rebounds, which was a career high for Mr. Young Drummond there, three steals and a block. He won a lot of people a lot of money last night on DraftKings. Um, no surprises, though. The funny thing is that was a career high in rebounds, and I wasn't surprised by it at all. He got every single thing. Um, not one of those three centers for Indiana challenged him on, on I would argue, maybe 90 95% of those rebounds. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? We, we can just, we, we, it's just free Miles Turner, and then, like, basically, we can move on from this, right? I mean, you're going to see, like, ma, you know, Mahi Mahi and Jordan Hill hit the wire like it's hot, depending on who they yes. sh- end up shipping, right? So, there you go. There we go. Uh, anyone on this Pistons team that you want to touch on in particular? I will say Contavious Caldwell Pope. Anti. Hold- yeah, anti anti pope. You're anti pope. I'm Catholic, he's, he's, so I I'm not anti the pope. I'm anti KC pope. So just to anti clarify, anti that pope, not the sorry pope. Jesus. I didn't mean to disrespect you. Um, but he's holding his own. A lot of people don't like him. He, he's doing some things that I personally have liked out there. Ursan Ilyasova doing the same thing. Marcus Morris. Those three guys. I thought those three positions would kind of be in flux, but they're all playing really well together. You wonder if a rookie Stanley Johnson could crack in there. I'm uh, mad at him right now. By the way, are you? Yes, because please, please, he, please spill. When you see Marcus Morris throw up a one for six from the, from three, okay, and then Ilyasova, which five of thirteen is not a great shooting performance, right, and then comes up with four rebounds, and that's your starting front court alongside Drummond, okay. So they had a combined eleven rebounds, and Drummond goes for twenty nine. So there's just you know, I mean, Drummond is will will fill the role. You you want to give him all the rebounds, he'll get him just like DeAndre Jordan. That's fine, but uh, like. On the side of that production-wise, th- there's your opportunity there. These guys aren't shooting well from the field. Marcus Morris is chipping, you know, paint off the rim from from deep. And Stanley Johnson could have stepped up there and and took a hold of that role. And he's available like everywhere on the waiver wire. Everybody's was loved him in the preseason. Saw what he was just doing, you know, putting up 24 points and in, in preseason action and 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 summer league and all that. And then he comes up and he throws up an 0 for five. And I was like, listen, when you have these games where you where like you know Paul George shoots five of 17 and you know George Hill only scores 12 points and you still lose by 12 you know you had an opportunity to step in there as a as a big and at least increase your six man role from 11 minutes and he just didn't do it so I wanted to be like ready to go grab this guy and like and recommend and like Stanley Johnson his time's coming these these guys are blowing it in the front court because you know Ilya is somebody who has you know been I think he probably leads like ad drops in like yahoo or espn over the last three years right that's that's a great point i I will say um it seemed like this pistons rotation would be kind of in flux throughout the year and it it still could be we're we're eight days into the season people 
But the bench, the Pistons bench last night went a combined one for 12. Nobody saw more than 13 minutes of actions. Uh, and so right now, it actually seems like the starting five in the rotation as a whole is pretty tight for Van Gundy. Um, and so if you invested in Ilyasova, a Morris, or a Caldwell Pope, I know you're not high on them, Josh, but they are seeing a lot of minutes. And of course, that's the most important thing when you're examining fantasy potential. Right. And you know what? So, I mean, you see these guys get locked in for like Drummond and KCP for 41 and 43 minutes. That's um, actually concerning for me. Like, that's not safe <laughs> for, for those guys to play that many minutes. Right. I'm talking about like if I'm a, a Drummond owner. Yeah. 80, yeah. You 82 know what I mean? Games, there's no way they can hold up throughout the course right, of the it's season. Not, that's totally what I'm saying. Right. I, I get concerned injury wise. You know, I'm just like, don't do that to him. You know, I love that I got 29 and 25, but then you're, you know, in two weeks, he's going to be on the injured list. So, well, um, jo- Josh, let's look at it this way. In the East, you get off to a hot start, right? So they were undefeated coming into this game. Now they're 3-1. and one. If they rack up 15 wins in 21 games and 23 games, I don't want to say that they're like almost clinching a playoff spot in the East – but I, I feel like if you if you go if you go hard in, in the first couple months, especially in the East, and you're able to, I mean, you can kind of you can kind of take rest off if, off in the middle of the season. I, I don't. What do you think about that? I think that like at least Drummond, for example, and and KCP are like young enough, and even Reggie Jackson there as well. So like you don't have to worry too much about protecting them overall, you know, as opposed to like a veteran like Elias Sovins and some of these uh, and Jody Meeks, for example, who's also looks like he's injured once again, who is probably going to be their best six man off the bench there. And, and in my mind, I, I actually think Jody Meeks should just be in the starting lineup as the better spot up three point shooter and have KCP. If he wants to gun, let him gun off the bench. And let me just step in here real quick. Uh, Jody Meeks underwent surgery on his right foot and is expected to be out three to four months. So if he does move into that starting lineup, it won't be for quite some time. Okay, good point that I totally forgot that he had that injury. I, I, I forgot why he was we injured. We talked about this last show, and I think I made the same mistake twice. Um, but yeah, so the, the the issue that they have here is they need Stanley Johnson to to be like a legit scorer off their bench. They need him to be like an eighteen to twenty two minute legit scoring threat. Um, you know from. Uh, you know that eight-man rotation, and it's not happening right now. And that's sort of where, like you, like you mentioned, one for a million off the bench, and sort of cost them that that game. So, yep, yeah, yep, that's the case. And and you could argue is right this, now, is that- this right? There was like the, the the Pacers scored nine points in the fourth quarter, or no, never mind. Okay, there was like a, I was looking at something mid highlight. Okay, no, that's correct. No, they that, that's they correct. scored they scored nine in the fourth quarter. Indiana scored nine points, and Detroit scored fifteen. It was arguably one of the worst four quarters you're going to see all season long. Oh my god! Okay, so now here's the next question. That and, and I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to my league right now, sorting by all players, and then I like to take a look at O rank. What or what, I, what particular head to head rotisserie? Um, this league is um a 14 team roto. Okay, but I don't. This is going to not matter either way. Okay. Um, Paul George right now shooting 33 percent. Averaging sixteen eight, ranked fifty two overall. I don't know if that's like a low enough for people to be upset or whatever, or maybe by like a similar vein, like Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, he is ranked eighty six overall, averaging sixteen and nine. This is a guy who's like you know, old rank of seventeen overall. Go grab these guys right now. If people are upset, then people you have reactionary players in your league. There's no way that Lamarcus Aldridge sits in the eighties all season long, and I am. 
pretty confident overall, given the severe lack of offensive talent in Indiana, that uh, that Paul George is going to shoot, you know, 33% and just be a 16-point-a-night guy. So um, that I say by low. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree on Paul George. I'm not that into Aldridge. I think I said that this he yesterday did. with Nick. Um, I, I'm not into Aldridge. I think he took a major hit by going to San Antonio. I'm not surprised by his lack of production so far because you know what, Josh? He doesn't need to produce in San Antonio. They're winning games without him. They don't need him. They can stick in Boris Diaw for more minutes tonight and still win a game. And Here, so maybe in the playoffs, like if you're in a playoff format that, or something like that. That's my point. That's my point. This is exactly yeah. what I was just going to say. Like for the playoffs, they need LaMarcus Aldridge to meet LaMarcus Aldridge. Yes. So if Pop is a genius that he is, I think he's actually going to figure out that he has to get LaMarcus Aldridge going and not into a like uh, supporting role behind just behind like Kawhi Leonard or whoever didn't depends on scoring. You, you you shouldn't in my mind, you shouldn't make LaMarcus Aldridge fit into the like share share and share like team concept because you know what happens in the playoffs you need your star players to go ham all right and if you're going to win that's just that's just how it is the star players are going to play 40 something plus minutes i know the spurs have done it differently and have done it differently to the tune of five championships that's great but we're i think we're in a new era here in terms of like level of competition between all the monsters in the west and lebron james and cleveland in the east that's not going to win you're not gonna not with that roster. You're gonna need Lamarcus Aldridge to carry you in my mind. So I, I don't. They, I think they might actually be mismanaging it a little bit. Uh, for those of you out there confused, Josh is not talking about Honey Glazed Ham. He's talking about Kanye West Ham. Go look it up. <laughs> yes, there you go. Moving on, Atlanta Hawks, Miami Heat, in what could be a pretty interesting uh, NBA, maybe um, semifinals of the Eastern Conference. A couple of the better teams in the East squared uh, squared off last night. The Hawks came away ninety eight to ninety two. Pretty much run-of-the-mill stat lines for everybody there in Atlanta. I know Corver's dealing with a little injury issue. So he played 34 minutes, but he hasn't quite been the Corver we've seen of old. He shot one for six from beyond the arc, which is, for him, is a bit ridiculous. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. It's like missing layups for him. Exactly. Last year, he finished above 50% from beyond the arc. Here, he's going 20%. Yeah. You know what? Or, or, Or something, almost 20%. So you know what I would do too. Same sort of situation. I don't think you're gonna any smart owner is not gonna panic on Kyle Korver because you know his his pedigree and his career numbers. Bye but low. yeah, but, well, if you're in need of threes, I'll 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 say like you know, and rather than because what you would have happened last year when Kyle Korver started making it rain you know, was like you would have to have paid a significant price tag. You're gonna have to pay a top thirty, top forty player price tag for Kyle Korver because he was so efficient and scoring so. Uh, at such a high clip from deep that he was very valuable in you know in head to head, very valuable in in, in season long. He was going to like help you win like the three point category by himself. Now that that's not happening, you, if you are a team that's in desperate of threes, you overdrafted big men or you don't have enough. You have, you have point guards like Ricky Rubio or, or you know whatever guys who don't shoot a lot from three point range, and you need to invest. There you go. You, now's the time to sort of like identify what you think is potentially a hole in your team and go out and get Kyle Korver at a discount. 
Kyle Korver, last three years, 2.6, 2.6, and 2.9 for three-pointers average per game. Right now, through four games, averaging just under 32 minutes per game, he's at 1.3. So you have to assume that number will be on the rise, even though he is 34 years old and dealing with an ankle injury. Um, Tiago Splitter, 21 minutes off the bench, six points, seven rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Um, you know, this was a guy just like Ursan Ilyasova that probably hit the waiver wire off the waiver wire over the last couple of years. This mm-hmm. is a guy for me I, I'm never going to touch throughout the year. You know, there will be a couple instances where he'll, he'll do a double-double in maybe 20 minutes, and I'm not going to be tempted by it. What, what do you think, Josh? Um, don't look, let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. That's what I'm going to say on, on Tiago Splitter. If I, ha- if I owned him by some crazy, you know, like super six teams deep league, then fine if he's going to get 20 minutes. But yeah, super deep league only. You, you know who the starters are, and it's not him, and he doesn't have any chance to really crack that lineup as long as uh, Horford and um, Millsap are healthy. So you need an injury for him to be relevant, and that's just not going to happen right now at this point. Moving on to the Miami Heat. Luol Deng, four points. Chris Bosh, only nine points. Not a lot going on in that front court, but Hassan Whiteside, offensive powerhouse, 23 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks like we know he can. Uh Whiteside has got more of an offensive game than we thought he did this year, Josh. Whiteside, strong side. Yes, I love Hassan Whiteside. And you know what he is? He is... um, like a monster in spots and he's inconsistent in spots. I don't know what happened last year, but after him going full beast mode after Bosch left the lineup and they were sort of forced to run the offense through him, like um to whatever reason he started I think he started getting like like his minutes capped and he was sort of and, and did they even um, play the, I don't even think they played much together last year. Not probably not too much after like what Bosch had that lung issue that put him out for the season. Yeah, so yeah, there wasn't a on the lung. Right. So they were he was forced to sort of like make an impact out and and you know, be the, the the guy down low and running the offense to them when um, Bosch went down. But we've seen this before from Whiteside. Now, the only question I have is how long is it going to be sustainable? Because he was a monster, and then after that, he just became like, oh man, this guy's playing twenty minutes. He's playing twenty five minutes, and it's like, what what what's going on? What is Spolstra doing with this guy's minutes? Because he's he can't even reach double double status anymore after being an absolute like you know multi category monster. So. Matt, here's my question to you. How far up the ladder, if you're a Hassan White Center, do you have to go for you to make him want to trade you? Uh, tra- tra- trade overall. Like, let's just talk. I think we're talking top 50, obviously, because he got drafted in the top, like, top 30, top sure. 40 in most leagues there. So, is there anybody who opened the season in the top 25 um, that you would say, yes? Or maybe the top 50, I guess, is a better place to start that you would say, yes, I will give you Hassan Whiteside if you give me this player. Wow, that's and that's a legitimate question because I'm sure a lot of people out there are kind of facing facing that. They're wondering if, if this is going to be legit or if they should try to cash in, right? Yep, um, I agree with you. So preseason, we wondered if Hassan Whiteside could even stay on the team for 82 games or even say half. Like we thought there, you know, lots and lots of potential, but this guy's been a journeyman for a reason. Uh, character issues um, is is basically what it's been. We saw some of the bonehead things he did uh, just for no reason at the end of last year. Um, one thing, I guess, I guess what I'm, at this point, I'm not concerned about him being dumb and getting kicked out of the NBA. I think we're to the point where, you know, let's just assume he's going to play and be with the team and be with the Heat for a couple of years. 
Um, like you said, Josh, the minutes is concerning for me. He only averaged 23.8 minutes last year at, right, on 48 games. Right. So through the first four games of the season, he's at th- just over 30 minutes per game, which is incredibly ideal given that much time. He can average a double-double, and and right now he's averaging three and a half blocks, which is scary, but that's something that he might actually be able to maintain if he's seeing upwards of 30 minutes. That's going to go down. So... Because Amari Stoudemire, when he's healthy, I think he can snipe some time from Whiteside. So in terms of top 25 players that I'd be willing to trade for Whiteside, I'm going to throw a number at you, and it's going to be a low one. I'm going to say zero. Really? I, yep. I'm still not quite into it yet. Uh, okay, so, wait, so, so are you saying you're holding on to Whiteside or you don't buy? But let me, I, let me, I would let me, trade. I, if I had Whiteside, I would trade him for a top 25 player. If I had a top 25 player, I would not trade him for Whiteside. I, I, I want to wait a full month into the season and th- see how things shake out. I mean, the Pistons were undefeated for the first week of the season. So let's okay. be real here about what, what this means in terms of the full 82 games. Oh, dang. DJ saying, let's be real here. It's like, you know, all you hammer, man. listen, like all you fakers. Get off the podcast. All right, uh, Nerlens Noel. Here's a question to you. Okay. I have Nerlens Noel. You you have H- Hassan Whiteside. You you snap on Noel. You take that trade. Oh, here we go. We're getting into it now. I like yeah. I like these hypothetical because, um, yay or nay, feet to the fire. So let me just throw out. After three games, Nerlens is averaging a double double with two point three blocks. So obviously, based on averages. Uh, you'd go with Whiteside now, and given what I said, um, I'm still gonna go with Whiteside because I think that's the cap on Nerlens is like a low double double and two to two and a half blocks. Whiteside, I mean, he's shooting 36 percent. He's ranked 106, so like it doesn't look pretty for Nerlens Noel right now. But yeah, so one you thing know. you have to have from from your front court players is they have to have high field goal percentage. And, he and, will, yeah, he will. Last year, he only had 46%, which is basically just a tick above the league average. And for your frontcourt position, you really need more, especially in roto leagues. Right now, I would stay with Whiteside just because I think uh, we're we're already seeing the best Nerlens can do. Um, Okay. Whiteside, I guess we're seeing the best what Whiteside can do now as well. It's it's a tough call. It it is. But I'm going to pick Whiteside. how about Derek? Oh, I, I'll take Favors. Favors is proven. So here's the difference between Noel, Whiteside, and Favors. Uh, Noel has only only been in the league for one year. Whiteside has only proven that he can play in the league for 48 games, which all came last year. Favors has been in the league for six or seven years now. You know exactly what you're going to get from him, Josh. And I'll just say this again. I say it every podcast. I'm a guy who wants to know what I'm going to have. I don't want any unknowns in my team because then I can plan, I can strategize, I can trade, I can pick up waiver wire options, whatever I need to do i don't know what i'm gonna have in noel i don't know in Whiteside favors uh, it's it's a proven track record marcin gortat uh, uh i don't i'll i'll take Whiteside. side uh, so here's here's my list i'll go favors one Whiteside two gortat noel okay so the only person you're you will take so far is favors Correct. Correct. Over Whiteside. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, let's see how far up the list do I have to go? Paul Millsap. Oh, I want Millsap over all those guys for sure. I'm not a Millsap fan, but he's always like consistently ranked fairly high, and it's just like a little bit of a mystery to me because he's not a superstar anywhere. The one thing he does do well as a power forward is, is assist. 
he passes well. Let me just you know? read his box score from last night. He helps out all over the place. 12 points. Uh, he did take three threes. He didn't make any of them. Uh, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. He helps out all over the place. That's uh, Underrated that's steals guy. Underrated, underrated steals, steals guy. Yeah, but yeah. you know what he is, is he's not a shot blocker. I don't care that he has 5 block shots and like, you know, like that's... That's, that's a that's a fallacy. Okay, but you're right. Yeah, just uh, you know what? I, I just don't give enough credit for being him for being a Swiss Army guy. So on their side. Okay, last guy I'm going to throw out um, for you, uh, Kenneth Fareed. Oh, man, he had a great game last night, but he's all hype to me. He's all shock and awe, and we see a lot of his highlights. Fifteen. We we see a lot of highlights of him on, on TV at, at the end of the night, but then you actually look at his numbers. And last year, you went into a major slump. I'm gonna take uh, I'd take Favors, Whiteside, um, and then and Millsap for sure over that guy. Um, and so Fareed or Noel? Gosh, I'll go with Fareed. I don't. I'm, I'm obviously not that high on Noel. Um, Josh, all right, so. That was it on the Wednesday episode of Guessing Game or Ranking <laughs> Game. Uh, now, I do want to ask one more hypothetical to you, Josh, sure. because it's been in the news. Um, Mario Chalmers could be on his way to Memphis. Right mm-hmm. now he's locked in solely as the backup point guard behind Goran Dragic. In the past, we've seen we've seen Chalmers float over to shooting guard, and he's so good at stealing that he he really has been viable in 14-team leagues over the last couple of years in terms of three-pointers and in terms of and of steals just because he gets so many. If he goes to Memphis, do you think he's worthy of a spot on a 14-team roster, or what would his potential role be in Memphis? Well, let's just take a look at the Rotowire depth chart here and sort of see if we can hammer this out. So this is the way I sort of I, I, I approach it there. Like most of the time, unless we're going super deep, the guy needs to be a super six man and or which we've seen in some spots. We know that the one thing that you always get, like you said, is like you get some good steals out of Chalmers and you can he can definitely hit the three. So that's good. That's that's the plus side. Now, just taking a look here at Memphis's, um, you know, depth chart. Courtney Lee is no world beater. I mean, and Tony Allen, they have him listed as the backup two, along with Vince Carter and then, you know, Jordan Adams, Russ Smith. Nobody aside from Lee is like a legit starter at the two. They could play Jeff Green, but Jeff Green's actually more of a three, and they're using him in the super six man role. So I could actually see, like, you know, Chalmers step in um, for Courtney Lee and start over him because Courtney Lee has been like a guy who's plays well in spots but he's no world beater i mean let's just take a look at what he did last season there 77 games played 30 minutes per 10 points 10 points and you know and he was you know just 1.23 per game he was um actually like fairly efficient shot his best three-point percentage uh you know of his career at 40.2 but you just never you're not getting a lot of attempts you're not getting a lot of scoring so um and he's thirty years old, so I don't. I don't really know what the, what they're looking for. It sort of depends on the role. If he steps into the the, the two guard role, then I'm definitely interested. He could be interesting in twelve team leagues. Um, but aside from that, I think we need to see how the role plays out. I, I think Memphis understands too that, that they don't have enough weapons like on this roster. I don't really like Mario Chalmers as the answer. I would prefer of them. I would actually have preferred that they went with somebody like Lou Williams who can just fill it up um, like off the bench and, you know, spot start and, and be a dynamic score. Cause that's what they don't have in Memphis. This is what you see with them, with the Warriors. They can't, they can't match guns with the Warriors. The Warriors want to run them out the gym. They'll just run them out the gym and there's really nothing they can do about it. So and, 
Yeah, Jeff Green was a guy that they acquired, and they thought he would move into that role where they'd be an offensive. He'd be an offensive weapon. Matt Barnes they brought over this year. Um, he's kind of passed in, past his prime in terms of being an offensive weapon. Vince Carter is way past his prime in terms uh-huh. of, of doing that. Mario Chalmers has never been considered an offensive weapon. If anything, he's a defensive weapon, being a lockdown, a point guard, stopper, something like that. Otherwise, you know, he fits into the mold of of the grinding Grizzlies. Other, but in terms of uh, you know offensive production, that's that that eludes them, and that fifty point loss to the Warriors makes it clairvoyant. Um, I will say that. Chalmers is not on the Memphis Grizzlies quite yet, but when he is or if he is, you can check it out on Rotowire. And, of course, it is a subscription-based website, but you can get a free day trial if you go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. I'll say it one more time here. Free 10-day trial at Rotowire if you go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. Josh, let's move on to the next game that happened on Tuesday. Orlando Magic beat the New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans is 0-4 on the season so far, off to a terrible start. But I'm just going to say two words from this game, and then I'm going to let you go, okay? okay? Ready? Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. Go grab him. I actually you – know, you tell me, all right, what you think of this, okay? Um, a league with a $100 fab budget for the season and continuous waivers daily. Okay, you with me so far? Yep. 14 team Roto, nine cat, uh, sister turnover is the ninth category. Okay. I spent, I had a, I had a $10 original bid on Evan Fournier. And then after he started again in back to back games before Tuesday, this is like Tuesday before games has started. Okay. I put my fab bid at $10. I look at the box score. He's making it rain once again. I up my bid to $28. Good, bad. Too high, too low. Um, you You're know. spending over a quarter of your entire fab budget eight days into the season on 23-year-old Evan Fournier, who has never averaged more than 12 points a game. I... Call me crazy. I think Go ahead. You're, I think you're, Go ahead. you're a tad bit crazy, Josh Hayes. And, and, and here's why. Because he's had ebbs and flows to his season or to his career so far. Yes. He's yes. had two destinations in Denver and Orlando. Last night, I mean, he put up 30 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, four three-pointers. He shot oh, about over 50% for sure. Uh, the, thing he, the thing that I'm just so afraid of is that he's done this before. Like last year, he had a couple games like this. He had a three-game stretch like this before, and then he fell off the face of the earth. Why I'm really, really afraid is because he's playing just in front of Aaron Gordon and Mario Hizonia, two mm-hmm. guys that, like, you know, on, on some other teams, they could probably start. Yeah, um, they have, like, a great pedigree. But look, and okay. So I, I'm afraid because of what's behind him. If he falters for a 10 game stretch, you got to have Gordon in there. You got to get Hizonia in there. Two young, budding talents that, you know, if, if, the, if the door is open, they're going to take it. All right, this is what I'm going to say. All right, I'm going to make my case. I'm going to, like, um, like, uh, sort of may a couple here. I probably spent too much to acquire Evan Fournier. So you did, right? you did get him for twenty eight dollars. I did get him for twenty eight dollars. I won. So here's here's my my first point. Point number one. Okay, minutes per game in this fourteen team deep roto league. Okay, um, this is just sorted by minutes per game on the free agent wire. You have Jared Bayless. At playing, who played 31 minutes, but you know that's not going to stay stay legit because he um would just he ended up 
getting a spot start and Jabari Parker hasn't really even got the full minutes that he's supposed to get. Okay. Jared Bayless um, is actually getting pretty good minutes, 30, 27, 22, four, and, and, and four, like crazy uh, amount of minutes, 47. I don't even know what happened. Well, what so happened maybe- was Carter Williams strained his ankle and he actually is considered doubtful for today's game, which would be Wednesday against the 76ers. So that's why Jared Bayless saw so many minutes just to, just to add that real quick. Okay, perfect. So now you know that he's uh, probably a 20-minute guy and not a 30-minute guy, all things considered, when they're all healthy. Okay? Luke Babbitt, who, like, nobody nobody knows is actually in the NBA, as far as I can tell. Started last night. Right. Started last night, six points uh, per game, seven rebounds. That's super exciting for 29 minutes per game. You got Raymond Felton, who has who's shooting guard eligible on Yahoo, by the way. You, know, you got to love that. 9.8 points uh, per game, along with three assists. That's, you know, drop it like it's hot. Dante Cunningham, who got who got smacked to the bench by Luke Babbitt, 6.5 points per game. And then you have the beast known as Sasha Vujicic. And then Justice Winslow, Gary Harry, J.J. Barea. Those, my friend, are your top waiver wire options in this 14-team oh, league. Okay, you've made the point that you're in a very deep league. But, right. But let's... No starters available. No starters. So I think when you have a potential starter and this guy is this here's my other case too. Okay, Hazonia's a rookie. To me, he's a he's a better scorer and a better grade of offensive player um, than Fournier. I will give you that. Does does he? You know what he 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 where he fits? I think he fits as a good gunning six man because this guy doesn't even want to pass to save his life. And you you have legit offensive options um, like. Um, Vujicic, you have Oladipo in there, and you have um, Fournier who will play within the flow of the offense. Yes, he scored 30 points, but he also dished out five assists, so he's willing to move the ball. I don't think that's really the case with Hazonia. Second thing I will say, and I love Aaron Gordon. Don't get me wrong. I love Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is a guy who's a nice real-life fantasy player. I'm a real-life NBA player, but a bad fantasy player. He's not a good scorer. Tell, tell, somebody show me one game where he was a good scorer like in the NBA. You can't find one. Am I right? No, I'm right there with you, Josh. I, I don't have... Um I don't have Gordon in any leagues. I actually traded him away in a dynasty league. Um, salary cap restrictions, I actually traded him straight up for DeMarcus Cousins. I know that sounds absolutely insane, but the way that the salary caps work and stuff, it actually was closer to a, a better deal. But I'm not, I'm, not on, I'm not on the Aaron Gordon bandwagon, but here, here's the thing. There's, there's still a bandwagon moving to the point where he could make the start over Fournier at some point in the season. You're right that he's a better you know, real-life player than fantasy player, and that means he could start. I mean, there's still, there's still you know, some growing fervor that he should be the starter, and so that's where I'd be a, a little bit cautious in the $28 waiver wire pickup of Evan Fournier. Let me just say this. We're going to all hold you to this. As a fantasy sports community, we're going to check in with this. We're going we're gonna to praise you. We're going to demean you throughout the season for this pickup, and so we'll, we'll just keep our eye on it. Um, moving on to the New Orleans Pelicans, though, ugh, just ugh. Eric yeah. Gordon, 21 points. He led the team in scoring. Scoring Anything to say here? Anthony Davis, of course you're going to play him every single night. It doesn't matter if he goes through a 20-game slump. You're going to play him. Always play him. Never, never, ever do not play Anthony Davis. Just play him. But in terms of the other guys, Drew Holiday is bumped up to 23 minutes. Eric Gordon, what do you think about this Pelicans backcourt? And might as well be short here so we can move on to some more exciting things. 
start Ryan Anderson. Stop messing around. Okay. Like, um, you, you're, you're very short in the front line, at least while, while Sheik is out, just start Ryan Anderson. You know, I understand that they, you know, they have a certain situation where they want him to be the six man role and play 20 plus minutes. Just do the right thing and start Ryan Anderson. Okay. You have nobody next to Anthony Davis and the guy is clearly struggling with the defensive sets that are running against him because he's shooting 30 something percent. Do yourself a favor, start Ryan Anderson. That's all I got to say. That's all we need to say about that. That is going to change quite a bit. Um, We know that uh, Anthony Davis will continue to start. It's just who will he start next to? So we'll move on to the Raptors, Mavericks. Raptors come away with a nice win, 102-91. to Kyle Lowry doing Kyle Lowry things, Mm -hmm. going up against that four-headed not terrible monster of of the Dallas point guards. Of course, you got Devin Harris. You have Darren Williams, Raymond Felton, and JJ Barea. You can stick all five guys or all four of those guys on on Lowry, and I think Lowry still would have came away with twenty seven points, ten assists, three steals, two blocks. I know he won me money last night on DraftKings. What about you? You know what, Kyra Lowry. Uh, the, the, the the question is. Uh, how much baby fat did he lose, and is he able to keep it off? He kept That's it the, off. Allegedly, he allegedly his wife lets him walk around the house without a shirt on because he has a six pack for the first time in his life. Really, really. Yeah. Okay, I wish I could go back and look at like previous weight log, like weight logs for him because they have him listed as six one one ninety six. He looks slim and trim in in these these like photos that I'm looking at on on you know online. So. That's the key. If you saw what happened with Kyle Lowry, he was a gangbuster and a top 15, top 20 player. He's like, you know, borderline alongside like the top, you know, five, six, seven point guards battling Damon Lillard last season. And then like second seat, second half, he just fell off a cliff and that and he took the Raptors with him. And if the Raptors didn't break out to such a big lead, they might not have even been a top four seed because they just fell off so hard. And, you know, a lot of that was tied to the value of um Kyle Lowry but I love him I uh, the question is do you tr- like move him at the at the you know at the trade deadline at the, after the first half of the season because you feel like that's you know he's going to run out of gas again or do you buy into the fact that they have like you know pretty good weapons you know better weapons and upgraded offense with Demari Carroll Corey Joseph on the roster you know and you, you sort of take some stock into that your thoughts I mean the X factor is Jonas Valanciunas. If they had a really reliable center, this team would be pretty good. I mean, uh, we're kind of waiting for Jonas to do something, to move into a role where he's one of the best five ten centers in the league. It doesn't quite seem like it's going to happen. He did put up 16-8 and eight last night, but I don't think he's going to be a dominating center in this league, at least not to the point where you could have a roster of Lowry's, DeRozan's, Scola's, and Carroll's and, and make a deep run into the playoffs. So if we're looking at the playoffs... <laughs> Maybe just start from scratch. I, I don't know. Get rid of Lowry while he's hot. Get rid of DeRozan while he's hot or take whichever one you like better. Um, they obviously invested in Carroll. I, this is, is not a team that's going to challenge in the East. It's, no. it's just not. And so if, if you want to scratch it, it's, you, know, you, can't be, you can't be in the middle in the NBA. It doesn't bode well for you. Right, because you don't get a good draft pick, and you and you, you you know, so you're out of the lottery, so you're right. out of the you, out of the top tier talent, and you don't have enough talent on your roster to make a run. So you, you got to go one way or the other. You yeah. have, yeah, you got to be on a one extreme or the other. It doesn't bode well. Um, two players. There's only two more players I want to hit on in this game, Josh, and that's Dirk Nowitzki and Dwight Powell, both of the power forwards in Dallas. Dirk is playing like he's a uh, fresh. Uh, like a fresh 24-year-old, I would say, and 
that's not surprising considering that uh, they've only had four games in this season. Let me just throw down his his averages through these four, first four games where he averaged just under 28 minutes per game, 17.5 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a steal, half a block, two three-pointers. He's shooting 56% from the field and, of course, 100% from the free throw line with less than one turnover. No way. There's absolutely no way this keeps up for much longer. Yeah, trade now. I don't know if like if you, I don't know if people will like people will fall for it, but if you can, get rid of this guy while he's, you know, s- still looks like he's a top 30, top 40, 50 player cuz I don't know if I would if when the, if the season ends if he's top 75, to be honest. There's a lot of tread on those tires and, you know, when once you actually see Chandler Parsons and Wes Matthews get into the flow of the offense, I think he's going to have a reduced offensive role and for good reasons cuz they need to protect him. So, do what you can to get some value out of Dirk Nowitzki while he's producing it. Dwight Powell, the 24-year-old, let me say his name one more time. You've probably never heard it before. Dwight Powell, the 24-year-old by way of Stanford. This is his second year in the league. He's averaging almost a double-double on just 22 minutes, one and a half assists, half a steal, half a block. You have to think, though, that when um, when Chandler Parsons gets back into the swing of things, that maybe if he gets slid down to the power forward, which he has in the past, that Dwight Powell would see, see less minutes. But then also on the flip side, there's no way that Dewinsky's playing 35 minutes a night like he did last night. And so maybe he does maintain a role where Powell does, where he's seeing 25 minutes. And I tell you what, on DraftKings, he's so cheap on DraftKings right now. And if you're playing him, you're getting quite a bang for your buck. Yeah, so I, I think right now you can sort of ride the high hand in DFS spots. Um, but uh, one, and I saw that actually he was like a, like a quite popular play in terms of like DFS for, for Dwight Powell. Now the question is, what kind of role is he going to have going forward? Because you still have Zaza Pachulia there. You're going to have uh, uh, Dirk in the mix. Um, and then, you know, they can actually roll with smaller lineups with Chandler Parsons, uh, Wes Matthews, Darren Williams um, in, in on, on the floor at the same time along with that. So I'm interested. I'm interested. I love the fact that he put up a double-double and, you know, he's like a, you know, a athletic power four type and he's a banger. But my question to you is, can he step in and play like center over Pachulia and be like a defensive presence or something like this? That's like sort of what we need to see. Is it, is it going to be that or are they going to sort of polarize like, you know, each other's minutes between, you know, Dirk, Zaza and Powell? And then because if he's going to sit in the 25 range, you're not going to get 10 and 10 from every every night. It's going to be probably closer to like six and seven or something like that. And you won't be as interested as you are right now. So we need it needs to go one way or the other. Either we're going to know he's going to be in a six man role. And, you know, it's going to be, you know, deep league only for sure. Or does he have an actual chance to crack, you know, 30 plus minutes and then he becomes interesting? That's for sure. Um, One thing I will say, of course, uh, like we have been during the preseason, you can still go on DraftKings and play fantasy football. They always have their millionaire maker event going on. I know I've played pretty much every single week. Um, still haven't won it. When I do, you probably will never hear from me again. Um, so <laughs> if I just drop off the face of the earth, then you know I did. I put together a good football lineup. How are things going for you, though, just in general on DraftKings, though, with uh, the NBA action, Josh? You know what? Um, so far, so good overall. It's been pretty solid for me because um, I nailed Jordan Clarkson last night. Um, I went out on 120 Sports and said, you know, Jordan Clarkson is the best player on the LA Lakers. And he made me look good. Fournier made me look good. 
Um, I took a couple shots at, at some cheaper options like Willie Collie Stein didn't pay off nearly as much as people who rolled Drummond. Drummond was like a GPP winner for you overall. But yeah, I think yeah. yeah, you yeah. had to have Lowry and Drummond in your lineup last night to win money for mo- for the most part. Right. So I, I, I did find I've been um, holding my own in, you know, on the cash side, 50-50 GPP side, um, side. And then, you know, I've always been like a better, like uh, fared better in the cash games as, as opposed to GPPs. But I'm still going to be taking my shots and will still be, you know, formulating various lineups over on DraftKings. So it's it's that's what I love about NBA. It's it's fun every day. And if you hate somebody, you don't have to use them the next day. And if somebody was like, oh, I should have used Drummond, you know, next game, you have the next opportunity. Yeah, that, that's why I like it too. When your season-long fantasy teams are not doing well, head over to DraftKings, especially if you've never been over there at all. You can use promo code ROTOWIRE for a free entry now with your first deposit on DraftKings.com. People, this isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. There's so many movie actors that do that now. I'm just competing against just like a you know like the best of the best and saying that. I, I really just want to bellow it out sometimes. Um, I'll get better as the season goes on. But as for now, let's stick with the games last night and let's let's bring it home strong here, Josh. As my computer fails me, I'll get to the next game. We have the Grizzlies against the Sacramento Kings. Josh Hayes is Sacramento Kings. The boogie-less Sacramento Kings. Nothing but pain. Uh, nothing but pain as Rajon Rondo and Rudy Gay lead the team to defeat. Memphis, of course, lost pitifully against the Warriors. Bounce back last night as they win 103-89. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and look at your Kings. Rajon Rondo is a guy used in DFS. He Going into last night, he had two games in a row where he scored 21 points and had at least eight assists. Last night, however, he was terrible from the field. Two of 10, only five points, six rebounds, four assists, one steal. We're not that far removed from Rajon Rondo being one of the best point guards in the NBA. Only a few years. Do you think that his play will be lackluster? Where do you think he ranks in terms of point guards moving forward this season? Uh, I think the Kings, in terms of the way that they're going to run their offense and, turn, and pace, as long as Cousins is in that lineup, um, because he's a true difference maker, uh, like Rajon Rondo has a chop- chance to be top 10, top 12 uh, among point guards. And the, and the jumper is improved. I'm not going to like start telling you that he can actually you know, reliably shoot a three point shot because he still can't, but he's, you can actually tell that the, um, that like the 18 to 20 foot jumper looks definitely looks better. And it's, it's going down a lot more than it has. I think he's actually still shooting it a little bit too much. He's like feeling himself a little bit much on the jumper itself, <laughs> but it definitely looks better. It's not a straight up brick. You're not cringing every time he puts it up anymore. So, um, yeah, definitely upside. And if you see like the way that they've been using him in, in that offense, he's been taking advantage of, of, of the top pace and has been a, like just a killer getting to the hole. And like he, he had like used and abused, um, uh, who am I thinking about for the Lakers? Uh, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, over as many uh, people have this season yeah as he has so you know maybe that's just not too much of a feather in his cap but i i want to say we're looking at sort of somebody more back to the you know the rajon ronda out in boston that was super valuable and rebounding and you know like a uh occasional triple double threat than some of the uglier versions of the rajon ronda like in dallas um when he sort of you know was the ugliest version of Rajon Rondo? That was well, and then like the last injury plague season, or like you know, in, um, imminent rumors 
in Boston, you know, version of Rajon Rondo where you could just tell he was not happy with his situation or his role or being constantly talked about in trades. So we're, we're closer to the Rajon Rondo of old. I don't know if we're fully there yet, but somebody, he's ownable now. I, I, I'm okay with him in, in, in fantasy leagues. I don't own him personally because I want a three-point shooter and somebody who could shoots good free throws, and he's not that. He's still not that. Um, but definitely more valuable than I originally projected. I have him all over the place. A lot of people are sleeping on him, like I said. Um, you know, we're not that far removed from him be- being just a monster, from him being the assist leader in the NBA. It's something that I still think that he can do this year. Um, I know he's not on a great pace for that, especially when you got Ricky Rubio's dropping dimes over in Minnesota. That's not going to hold up for long. So I have him in a lot of places, and I'll be the first one to say that I could be I could be bit by that by the end of the year based on those percentages he's throwing up. He's just, you know, 2 of 10, like I said last night. I think he went 1 for 4 from this charity stripe and that's just not sustainable especially in roto leagues which i do have them in a couple of places there so um yeah i'll be the first to admit if it doesn't work out well really collie stein though yeah as a, as a fan as the mm-hmm. as him being the future of your franchise josh mm-hmm. yes. um he has surprised me i know nick whalen is a guy who was not high on him and rightly so he says usually rookies go to sacramento to um, the opposite of jumpstart their career <laughs> for their careers to end before they even <laughs> began. And so he was really unhappy right. that Kali Stein ended up in Sacramento because he wants him to do well. But he has done well he so far. Well. He is doing very well. He contributed in every category last night except the three points, and that won't ever happen throughout his career. What do you think of him as your future starting center alongside Boogie? Excited. Excited. I think he's actually got like um – Tyson Chandler type upside, you I mean, not, and not the early Chicago Bulls Tyson Chandler that was like, you know, disappointing. And we're like, man, we wasted our number two or number three overall pick or whatever it was, or one and two when it, whenever those Bulls had those two picks with him and Eddie Curry, like the legit, um, you know, Dallas Mavericks cornerstone of the offense, defensive stalwart who can, you know, NBA um, championship cornerstone. I'm not telling you you're going to, you're going to win a the sec the Kings are going to win a championship. I'm just telling you it's actually the perfect fit beside Demarcus Cousins, and that was the guy, the exact guy that I wanted the Kings to draft, and I was so glad that Vladi did it. So um, for the first time in a long time, they've gotten a pick right since Demarcus Cousins. Whoa, whoa, basically. Whoa, 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 whoa. Four games into the season, you so you obviously think this is going to continue. Yeah, I mean we're not you. You all you need him to be is a defensive presence, which he is. Be able to run the floor, um, which he does, I think, already among the top 10 in, se- in centers in the league. He's one of the more athletic centers already. Um, you know, think about other guys who are, who are in the league and you have, you know, the the, the Bogets and the Marcus Souls. And actually, Marcus actually runs the floor pretty well for, for a five. But, you know, you have a bunch of plotters in there. Tim Duncan's never going to be, like, accused of, you know, breaking out or cherry picking. Um, and so you put him up against some of those guys. He The, the Kings want to play fast pace and he he fits that perfectly because he's he's good at running the floor. He will take a, a shot, you know, you know, and block it, or grab a steal and get the ball up court. Doing everything they exactly need to do. How much fancy value that's like translates to? Probably fourteen teams and 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 above is where we have to draw the line. But um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll say that. Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad. A lot of times out in Sacramento, you can tell they're a bust right away. There's a lot of optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do really you think, Jimmy Jimmer for for that? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> um, do you think though that the numbers he's putting up 
it helps him in terms of numbers when when DeMarcus isn't on the court? And I'm assuming you're going to say yes, but I think he he kind of fades into a more ancillary role when Cousins is on the court. Actually, um, yeah, you know what? And that's what he's supposed to do. He knows that he's supposed to be like um, like the upside for him, and he's accepted this role and talked about it in the preseason, is he is supposed to be uh, a help defender, all right, hold, defend his own guy at, at the center position, make sure he doesn't score, a shot blocker, you know, weak side, strong side, and, you know, if anybody gets funneled into the paint, send that right back where it came from, and, um, you know, um, and, and just basically rebound a ton and play solid D. They don't really want him to do anything else. And the, the bonus stuff that he's been able to do is mostly attributed to Rajon Rondo, just like, you know, uh, putting him in really good spots on pick and roll where he can just catch a noop and, and smash it. So that's where he is. That's all he's going to do. And that's, that's fine. The, the one thing that you, that you like about him is that if he is going to um, hold down the starting job, which he currently has, even with DeMarcus Cousins in the lineup after game two of the Lakers, they started him in game three in L.A. And, you know, obviously he started again with Cousins out in game four. He has top, top 12 um, you know, shot blocker upside, which in, in a lot of leagues is valuable because I think actually blocks is one of the like scarcest categories um, out there in fantasy hoops. Would you agree? Yep, I definitely agree. It's, it's, and so when you get guys like Ibaka that perennially go in the first three rounds, even though Ibaka has struggled the last couple of years, that is why. That's why Rudy Gobert goes in a lot of first rounds this year. And that's, mm-hmm. why, that's why we had a major debate about Hassan Whiteside at the beginning of this podcast because there's so much value in blocks and especially elite block guys like the three I just mentioned. So if he can move into a role where he's top 12, top 10, um, then he'll have value for the duration of his career. But moving on, let's finish it up. Denver Nuggets 120, Los Angeles Lakers 109. Now the boys out in Vegas coming into last night's game said that this would be the highest over-under, and they were right. Uh, Let me just do a quick, yep, yep, quick addition of all the games. They were correct. That's because nobody plays defense on this Laker team. Uh, James Anderson, uh, who you hear, you will not hear him tomorrow. It will be me and Nick because James is out in Arizona for um, MLB, you know, meeting all those guys meet in arizona um, arizona fall league yeah Arizo- yeah the fall league <laughs> <laughs> well we're kind of we're getting into the winter i guess arizona doesn't have any season so uh, i mean it phoenix- sounded like it was like a boy scout troop or something like that yeah. like they're just the boy or, they're meeting the, they're gonna pitch a tent somewhere yeah. in arizona <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he had a great tweet last night. Um, I'm going to butcher it, but basically said the Lakers are actually really fun to watch because you have a mix of um, uh, old guys that don't play defense and young guys that jack up too many shots or something along those lines. Anyway, they're fun to watch because they don't play defense. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, like you said, put up 30 points last night. Lou Williams came off the bench, 24 points, five rebounds, two assists, three steals, one block. Julius Randall, let's start with him, though. He's he's playing really strong so far this year. Uh-huh. He's going to get more than enough minutes. He played 32 last night. Where do you come down on Mr. Randall? Top 100 player, easy. Top 85 player, top, you know, sure. maybe top 75 player. Like, inside-outside game. I don't. My only question for him is how many shots is he going to block because you, you want some sort of shot-blocking presence. Then he's sort of actually small for a power forward at 6'9". That sounds crazy to say, but that's actually is for the NBA kind of small on that side, but he has a great offensive game and good burst runs the floor. Definitely high on Julius Randle. That's fantastic. Kobe Bryant. Yay or nay? Nay. Have you seen Kobe? I'm just going to tell you right now. If you see how Kobe Bryant go to the hole once this season, 
that will be the first time. The guy's doing nothing but jacking up threes and not at a good clip. So congratulations to all of you who gambled on Mamba. You got what you paid for. All right, last question I have for you, Josh. Emmanuel Moutier, another one of those freshmen, or not freshmen, but rookies, mm-hmm. is playing a lot of minutes. He played 31 last night, put up a double-double, 12 and 10 with assists, a steal, and a block, but that guy is turning the ball over so much. He had six turnovers last night, and it really hurts mm-hmm. you in, in daily contests. It hurts you in nine-category leagues with turnovers. I mean, he is the worst offender when it comes to turnovers in the entire yes. league right now. Mm-hmm. He is leading the the uh, league in turnover ratio, and I think in overall turnovers as well. And um, yeah, he's green. He is a green. He didn't even have a. I believe Moody went overseas to play. When I don't know if that necessarily helped him or not, but um, yeah, he has been a guy that's very very tough to play right now in like all formats. Particularly if you get penalized even even harsher if it's like a turnover league and not a sister turnover where he can sort of mitigate the the turnover number with assists. So yeah, very, very tough. I, you know, I'm, if you, I'm okay with anybody who wants to bench him, but you definitely don't drop him. You guys stick with him. He has, you know, definitely, definitely upside, but it's been a rough start so far. I, I totally agree that we had a large uh, conversation in the office about whether or not to play him on DFS on DraftKings last night. I was vehemently saying, no, I stay away from rookies, as I've said many, many times. But you cannot underestimate the negative points you get on DraftKings for turnovers. He's averaging 6.3, and it, it just hurts. Even if he's getting a double-double, it, it's just rough. It's, it's hard to accumulate points. Last thoughts on last night's action, Josh. Uh, you know what? We're we're gonna have some guys that need to sort of sort out. Um, you know, we've we've mentioned them all. Is Fournier gonna be able to keep it rolling tonight against James Harden uh, and Houston? Is Hassan Whiteside legit? You know, and I think the one thing I want to say, like, if I had to pick out a guy, I know he didn't actually. I don't think he played yesterday, um, but it, but is on the slate today. I want Carl Anthony Towns anywhere and any way that I can get him. I think he's completely legit, top fifty player upside. Does everything, no holes in the game, and could actually sort of like um, mitigate, uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins' ceiling that we sort of thought he was going to be the guy that takes it to the next level this year. Look, Carl Anthony Towns is a problem, and uh, you know, other teams in the West are going to have to deal with it. Love Carl Anthony Towns. Can't agree with you more. Don't like rookies, but I like that one. He's mm-hmm. pretty. He's pretty good. Arguably, he is the leading rookie candidate of the year. Folks, we only have four games into this season. We have 78 more for the majority of the teams out there. Will Josh's Evan Fournier $28 fab bid hold up? Who knows? But we'll be here to discuss it weekly tomorrow. It'll be Nick, Waylon, and myself as James is on a Boy Scout troop, like we said, in Arizona. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody.